Um, let's pray together. Um, Lord, we just thank you so much for that testimony that Murray has just shared. We thank you so much that you are moving and you are moving right now. And God, that you are faithful. You have been faithful through every single generation. You have shown yourself to be the only one that can save, the only one that can transform lives. And so we just, um, we thank you this morning, uh, this morning, we thank you tonight that you're with us here. You really are with us, God. We acknowledge you. I uh, just pray that this morning, this morning, this tonight, that you would help me to um, uh, just to share faith with you, Lord, and that you would speak through your word tonight, God. In Jesus' name, amen. I wasn't always a morning service person. When I was uh, sort of younger, younger adult, um, definitely would never wake up for a morning service. So um, now this is late for me. Um, we've been doing a series uh, about dwelling under. Uh, we've talked about a number of ways we dwell under God. Um, but tonight I want to talk to you about dwelling under the mission of God, um, dwelling under his mission. And we're actually going to be looking at John 4 uh, from verse 34 to 38. So I would encourage you, um, pull out your Bible, if it's on your phone, um, or you've got a physical one. As we're going to walk through only four verses. I'm not even going to make reference to any other verses either. Um, we're just going to go straight through these four verses. Um, and yeah, I really trust that God is um, going to speak through His Word, speak through the words of Jesus. So from John 4, verse 34, My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of Him who sent me and to finish His work. We'll stop right there. The context here is actually this amazing story, you probably know it, of the Samaritan woman who Jesus was talking to, at the, the woman at the well. Um, he just finished talking to her and the disciples had come back in from town with some food. And you'll see in verse 33 that he tells them he has, uh, well, he tells them he has food that they don't know about. Now, I, I sort of started laughing when I was reading this because um, I just feel like <laughs> Jesus is just like saying, to them, they're, they're just genuinely saying, hey, would you like some food? And he's like, I have food that you don't know about. <laughs> and then all of a sudden they're thinking, did he get food from someone else? They're confused. And then he just starts teaching them. And he says, my food uh, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. And um, I believe what he's saying here to the disciples and what he's saying to us, uh, for him, it was of most importance to do the will of God, and it was of more importance than life itself. It was more important than anything else, more important even than eating. And everyone here that loves eating is like, really? More important than eating? Yes, more important than eating. We need to eat. It's the very thing we, we need to survive. And so it's more important to accomplish the mission of God for Jesus. He's saying this to the disciples, to save the world from their sin than anything else. You know, when I was, uh, when our daughter was being born um, and I was supporting my courageous wife in that moment, and all the uh, fathers would relate to this, uh, everything just goes out the window in terms of like uh, any, any other focus. You essentially just, it's just full focus because it's just so intense. And, um, you know, food goes out the window um, I had like a, a rolled ankle because I did it like a couple hours before we were supposed to go to the hospital. So my mum had to drive us to the hospital. I didn't think about that. 
Um, at one point, I had no shirt on because, you know, you use showers and things. And I was just walking around just shirtless, not even caring. And there's all these strangers there. Um, I was praying just super openly because I was so desperate for, for God just to help us um, in this time. There was a few scares as well. Um, with her heart rate and things like that. And I was just praying and I was just proclaiming the truth of God over my wife. And I, I can imagine the midwife just, oh yeah, okay, you know. And I, I just didn't care. I was just all in to, um, to focus in on helping uh, my wife as she um, gave birth to our beautiful do- daughter, Lola. Um, I was also crying at one point because when you have a baby, you start to cry usually. And again, I, I didn't care. All that mattered was this priority. My, my, my challenge to you tonight is, do we have this same focus towards seeing people become born again? See what I did there? Do we have that same focus? Actually, Jesus says just before this about how you must be born again to be in the kingdom. You must be born of the Spirit. But we, do we have that same heart, that same focus, that it, it means everything, that it undergirds everything in our life, that whenever we make a decision in life, we are thinking about the mission of God. When we think about our careers, are we thinking, how can I honor God? Where does this fit into his mission to save the world? Are we thinking about when we move uh, lo- locations, if we're, we're traveling elsewhere, are we thinking about the mission of God? Because Jesus says here, not me, these are not my words, He is saying it's of most importance. You know, Jesus here had just revealed himself to this Samaritan woman. He he tells her that he's the Messiah. He tells her that he has living water that will quench her thirst. You know, she's craving, her soul is craving. She is thirsty and uh, literally thirsty. She had five husbands. Um, And the one that she was currently with was not her husband, right? She is craving and she's a broken woman. We, we can see she's a broken woman. And, um, you know, Jesus really culturally shouldn't even be talking to a woman. And even further than that, he shouldn't be talking to a Samaritan woman because the Jews didn't associate with the Samaritans. They would avoid uh, their towns as, as much as they could because they were mixed in with other nations. Uh, I think it was the Assyrians. They were actually half Jewish, but they had... In, in, in doing that, disobeyed God, and so they were frowned upon. And yet here is Jesus talking to this woman and ministering to her. It's such a beautiful story. And the disciples don't actually ask him, like, what are you doing? They see it. They think, this is strange. And then even as John writes this text, it's like there's, he's given like these suggested questions. And, and one of them is, why are you talking with her? <laughs> right? And... Um, Instead, they were just focused on eating. Now, I don't know their motives. Maybe they just thought Jesus does weird things and he's doing his thing. But, but part of me feels like they just didn't see her. They didn't see her in that moment as Jesus saw her. They didn't ask. It's like she wasn't worth asking about. You know, maybe it seems important that they had food and they were being caring. Um, and we know that Jesus needed to eat, right? But... His priority more than anything else was to seek and to save the lost. It's everything that determined his steps to do the Father's will and accomplish his mission to save. You know, the disciples, in a sense, they, they miss it. They miss this opportunity. And I want to ask you tonight, is this the thing that you hunger for? Are, are you hungry to do God's will? Are you hungry 
for, for, to be part of his mission, to accomplish his work? Do you get hungry to see God move and to seek and save the lost? Let's continue together in verse 35. Jesus says, don't you have a saying, it's still four months until harvest. We'll stop there for a second. It's still four months until harvest. I looked into this and it's actually kind of a, a proverb. And what it actually means is there's no particular hurry for a task because things simply take time, right? And that's what Jesus is saying. There's this, this phrase is, you say there's four months, things take time, you know, there's no particular hurry. But Jesus doesn't want his disciples in this moment to have a mindset, have a mentality that way that, oh yeah, like, you know, four months. He wants them to think and to act in a way that, that, that the harvest is now. That, that something is occurring now. And he goes on to say, I tell you, open your eyes. Look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. Open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. You know, I think it is easy to be in a place, and I am sharing this because I think it's a place where I've been in. It's a place of apathy and maybe a lack of enthusiasm a lack of anticipation that God is going to move right now, that he is going to save people right now, that he is working right now and he uh, desires to do that. And I know that we are called to be faithful and maybe you're thinking, well, you know, we need to just be faithful and then one day we will see the fruit. And I've said this too, and there's a truth in that. We know that as we sow seeds, as we share the good news of Jesus, that that fruit may not turn up for 20 years, right? But Jesus here, he's, he's emphasizing, no, I want you though to believe that I can save people now, that people are ready to hear from me now and that I'm moving right now. He says, you say wait four months, but the harvest is now. And he's saying, yes, Things will come later, but be enthusiastic and expectant that there are many who will respond now and they are ready. Maybe it's not that you don't struggle with him moving now. You believe that. It's just not here, <laughs> right? Maybe you believe he's just moving in, in Turkey right now with Josh and Ange. And, and it's such a beautiful thing. They've actually been able to relocate 15 families from the earthquake affected, um, one of the earthquake affected cities to, to relocate them to Izmir, 15 families. I don't know how many kids, but sounds busy. And um, they've got the resource to do that. And they're looking after those 15 families, them and their team. It's such an opportunity to, to love them, to show them the love of Jesus and to share Jesus with them. So I'm um, really excited for them. And, and we're a part of that. We're a part of, as we sow in this church, uh, a lot of the funds go towards that, but also our prayers um, and if you didn't know, Josh and Ange started Divergent Church. And, and they're seeing Muslims come to Christ, which is hard. Every one of them gets kicked out of their home. God is doing amazing things. And, and maybe you think, well, yeah, he's doing it there, but he's not doing it here in Canberra. He's doing it over there. Well, you're wrong, because I'm pretty sure at the end of time, there are all nations, all tongues, worshipping the Lord, including a lot of Australians, hopefully more than right now. Amen. <laughs> Thank you. I like that. Amen. Maybe you're thinking, it's just not through me, though. 
maybe that it's through others and, and but but I'm you know I'm not really the one that he wants to move through and I would just say you're not that important what I mean is get out of the way he just wants to work through you it's not about you if you're not you're not of that much importance that 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 he can't work through you if you're just a humble child of God he he desires to work through you you have a testimony you, you've been brought out of darkness and into light and so he can and he will work through you if you were to trust and believe that he can do that or maybe you're looking around in the world, in Canberra even, and you're thinking, it's a pretty dark place. There's some pretty dangerous ideas. There's some pretty horrible things going on. I don't know if God can really save people. People are pretty trapped. Or maybe you're thinking, people have all they need. Everyone's driving around in a Tesla. That's the future, right? We're all going to live on Mars. They're fine. They've got a great share portfolio and plenty of money in the bank. The average house to rent here and it's about 650 bucks the most expensive in the country the highest average disposable income in the country everyone's great and dandy and and everything as well well we know that those people are thirsty that they are broken that that and they are heading towards an eternal destiny of hell without god and that they need him and that we we know the one who can give them living water we know the one who is a living water that can save them God can save anyone. Jesus goes on to say, I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. Who is telling us here? I said this this morning, everyone's like, (laughs) Jesus, I'm reminding you, these are not my words. These are Jesus' words. He is saying to you right tonight, look up, look at the fields, open your eyes They are ripe for harvest. That's what he says. That's what he was saying to his disciples. It reminds me of this beautiful reveal. You sort of look up and and as you do, you're expectant. You're opening your eyes, expecting to see something, expecting to see, having anticipation and enthusiasm. When I think of lifting up, which is another one of the other translations used lifting up, this one says, uh, NIV says, open your eyes, but I kind of, and I might be reading too much into this, so, um, but, but lifting up, I feel like in a sense, it's like, take your eyes off yourself. Take your eyes off just the tasks in front of you. Can you not see? Can you not see that this world is ripe for harvest? Can you not see that I'm, that I'm moving? Can you not see the opportunities around you? Can you not see? Look up. You know, this morning, I said to the, the North Morning Service, I said, look past this wall, pretend it's not there, and what do you see? And, and everyone was very confused. And if you didn't know, we're on a university campus, but most people don't think about that because, frankly, majority of our community are not uni students. It's like, oh, yeah, there's some grass over there. I, I don't know what was going through their mind, to be honest. But I was getting them to think, like, what, what is here? And, and for you, uh, as, as City PM, I, I, I know that there's a heart here to reach the university. And I would say, as you, as you look at ANU, which is your nearest university, do you see, are you looking up? Can you see that the, the harvest is ripe? Do you believe that it is not four months, but that the harvest is here and ready now, that people are ready to receive, they are ready to hear, and they are ready to respond. And they are not just ready for it they are in need of it they are in desperate need of hearing the good news of jesus 
God calls us to lift up our eyes. He calls us to see. Now we know that we can see, but there is an emphasis in Scripture of having spiritual eyes opened and and ears open, that God opens our eyes to see Him and to see His truth. But in the same sense, do we have these spiritual eyes to see the way that God is moving, to, to be attentive to the Spirit? You know, I was reading about Philip in Acts. You know the story of Philip. He's there and he's with this Ethiopian eunuch and he's reading out of Isaiah and, 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 and the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit prompts him and says to go over there and, and talk to this man. And so he does. And he realizes he's reading out of Isaiah and, and this eunuch says, well, can you tell me who it's talking about? And it's prophesying about Jesus. And he begins to explain the scripture to him. And he exp- begins to explain the good news of Jesus to him, right? And, and, and he, he receives it. He was ready that the harvest was ripe. And, and he sees a pool of water and he says, let's go. I'm ready. I want to be baptized. You know, Philip had eyes to see. He responded to the Spirit's prompting. The same Spirit of God dwells in us, is leading us and showing us that God is on the move and He desires to save this world. His redemptive plan has not changed. He is working in every generation and He is working right now. The Spirit of God guides us into truth. He shows us. He gives us wisdom beyond our understanding. He shows us the people around us that are searching, that are craving. And Jesus says, They're ready. And the fingerprints of God are all over our lives and all over this world. He is constantly moving and drawing all to himself. Jesus says, the fields are white for harvest in one translation. Then he says this one, ripe for harvest. But I imagine white, and if you've grown up around farmland, maybe not, you live in Canberra, but um, I grew up around seeing cotton fields and they're so white and they look incredible. And, and, and there's this sense that someone better pick that. You know, that's, that's white cotton. That's really, really white. Like someone better harvest that right now, right? Um, and these fields, we know they're representing the people who are ready to know him. And as I said before, or rather are in need of him, just like this Samaritan woman that we see that Jesus ministers to. She was desperate. She needed him. And Jesus saw her. And he revealed himself to her. You know, she wasn't the one you would expect that God would, that Jesus incarnate, God would, would, would reveal himself to. She had five husbands and the current person wasn't a husband. If you've had five husbands here this, this tonight, I'm just saying like, not really the type you'd think from, from a perspective of the religious leaders that, that, that Jesus would come and, and minister to. And yet here we see that, that his heart breaks for this woman and that she's ready. She's tried it all. She's tried to find it in men. And, and, and Jesus is saying, come to me, I can give you living water. There are people at ANU who are craving. They are broken. They are lost There are people in your workplace that you may think have it together, but behind closed doors, they're a slave to their sin. They are are filled and plagued with problems. They are struggling and they need to know about the good news of Jesus. They are ready. God is saying, look up. 
see the harvest is ripe. And Jesus goes on in, in verse 36. Even now, the one who reaps draws a wage and harvests a crop for eternal life, so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Thus the saying, one sows and another reaps, is true. And the promise here is that the workers in this harvest will be rewarded. They will be rewarded. And that their good work will last forever. It's an eternal work. It's not just a temporary work. It's something that lasts forever. And every worker in the harvest will be able to rejoice together in this work. I don't know if you've personally been involved in seeing someone come to Christ, but it is the greatest joy ever. You know, seeing someone return to Christ, it's just the kind of joy you feel. You just know what it means to, to know that someone has responded to our Lord and, and, and what it means for their life. And, and maybe tonight, that's, that's, it's growing cold for you. Maybe you don't, you don't feel that joy, but can I remind you tonight, if you don't feel that joy, we're going to pray afterwards, but, but you should have a joy in doing the work of God. It, 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 should, it should make you so joyful to see people come to Christ. And, you know, my wife and I have recently been able to witness this quite up close with a couple in our church and, and you know what, I was praying for so long. God, I've been involved partway through people's journeys and, and I've sown seeds and I haven't seen the fruit immediately. And he brings along this couple in our church and, and God just is moving in them. And, and he just allows us to be part of that and to share and, and, and to see them come to Christ. And it is the greatest joy. It is so worth it. And there will be people in eternity that if you are faithful, that you will be standing beside and you will be singing and rejoicing and you will be part of their journey. And it's not about you, but God does say you will be rewarded because he wants to work through us. And I think that's an amazing thing. He goes on in verse 38. I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the work and you have reaped the benefits of their labor. Jesus is saying to these disciples, particularly in the context of the Samaritans, God has been at work. He's been at work from Abraham. He's been at work through Moses and Joshua and, and Joseph and David and, and even the, the um, nation of Israel who's been a light to this Samaritan nation, even though they've been a pretty poor one at times. Um, they still had the first five books, right? They still had uh, the Torah, the Samaritans. Uh, they had it all mixed up and, and, and intermingled with other religions. But, but somehow, God was still moving and preparing these people. And then we find out how amazing this Samaritan woman, she shares her testimony. All these people start coming and, and, and hearing the word of Jesus. And, and they also repent and turn to him and receive him. And then we see a lot later in Acts 8, um, we see actually that um, Philip as well, um, he actually gets an opportunity to, to minister to these Samaritans. And um, he goes from town to town and talks about how many and many of them were saved. And the work had started a lot before that. Jesus is saying, I have been working in every single generation. You're not the first. There's a lot of hard labor that's gone into the people that he is saying are ready for harvest. God has been working through his people 
through every single generation. He has had a plan and there are many faithful people that have gone before us. You know, I'm grateful. I don't even know her name. I need to ask my mum. But I'm grateful for that woman who was at a Tupperware party. Think about opportunity. Tupperware party. Probably doesn't come to mind. Tupperware party. And my mum is there. And she just shares at the end. And she says, I've come to know the Lord and he's changed my life. If you'd like to know more, I'd love to share with you. And she leaves it at that. And something in my mum is craving. And at the time... My dad was living here from Scotland out for arrest in, in the UK. He was, he was a, an illegal immigrant. He had a fake passport. They had marijuana plants in the backyard. Three little kids, abuse, drug use, confusion, brokenness. My mum was craving for the living water. And this faithful woman, when my mum said, yeah, I'd like to know more, she went to her house every week, our house every week, and she would just have one scripture and she'd just explain it to my mum. And that seed grew and grew and blossomed. And I am part of that fruit to this day. And I share that faith. Amen. And she's, she's not with us anymore. My mum said she's passed away. One day I will rejoice with her. And I share that same faith with you tonight. And I share it now with my beautiful daughter. And I know that that changed the trajectory of my Mum's life, my family's life, even my dad's life forever because of the hard labor that was put in. And God has been working. He is working in every generation. We know that God has moved through generations. And, and you may have seen recently um, that there's been a lot of talk about uh, a move of God that's happened in Kentucky at a, a university campus and it's just been filling my news feed. And look, I've got to be honest with you, I'm usually a little more cynical, right? But I think God's really convicting me <laughs> and softening and saying, Kieran, look, um, don't listen to the, the noise of, of just um, talking bad about what's going on or what they're not doing properly or all these things. But, but look at what I'm doing. There's, there's students sharing their testimonies and confession of sin and and. There's thousands visiting, right, from, from other colleges and universities and now people all over the world. No famous preachers, no famous worship, no show or hype, but rather just a, a move of God's Spirit lighting this, this university on fire. And, you know, it was amazing. Murray just shared with me that, that Dan and Jen, who call this church home, were over in Asbury a week before that started. And they talked to a, an elderly man there that was at one time a pastor, I believe, um, and he said to them um, that he was praying every day for a revival at Asbury. Now, this is a week before, so it's not like he was talking as though it had, it had happened. And oh, I've been praying. He's, he was saying, I'm praying for this. And within a week, we see that God began to move through some humble university students. And it's encouraged everyone all over the world. I know it's encouraged me. If you want to see the story, look up Christianity Today and just read the story. Read it. But I want to read a quote from you about the leadership and what they said. They said um, about those that had visited. They said, they know this is a gift. They have received it as a gift, a gift of encouragement to be there and witness this. So we are going to charge them with, with them now to take this to their job, to their family and to their church. I love this because they're saying, yes, God is moving here. He is. But he can move anywhere. 
and he desires to move where you live and where you are. And then the president of the university goes on to say, whether you call this a revival, a renewal, an awakening, or an outpouring, what we've experienced in our campus these last few weeks is unlike anything I've ever seen in my life. People are hungry, and they are hungry for something more, he added. And then he referenced Matthew 5, 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. You know, my beautiful wife, we were on this global chat with Josh and Ange and others, and we are praying about so many things going on in the world. There's, there's missionaries on there from all over the world, and, and some of them are on university campuses like us. And, and we're praying over these things, and she takes me aside afterwards, and she didn't share it during their meeting, um, but she's given me permission to share this. She, she saw um, people with gasoline bottles. Sounds a little bit, you know, uh, malicious, really. <laughs> but in a good way, they had these gasoline bottles, and, and they, were, they were pouring them out, right? And, and this wildfire, specifically wildfire, was starting, and it was spreading and it was spreading across, and particularly in this context, we're praying over universities. So she said, I, and I imagine it spreading across universities, but, but she sort of said more broadly, just applying to the world, that the fire of God was spreading. And she said, I didn't really share it because I thought it was a bit cliche. And, now, and I, in that moment, thought, no, usually when you have a vision, like, it doesn't come out of, like, it's not something you conjure up. It, she's not that kind of person in her character. And she, she sees things quite vividly in her dreams as well. Anyway, we just left it and a couple of days later is when I saw these reports of what was happening in Asbury and I just sent it to her and I said, babe, I really believe that what you said is taking place. I really believe that God is moving, that he is on the move. And, um, and it's as simple as this. Do you believe that the harvest is ripe and ready now? Because Jesus has been saying that for every generation. The harvest is ripe. There are people that are craving, they are broken. They are waiting for you to share your testimony like the Samaritan woman shared hers with the Samaritans. They're waiting. They're craving. They're in need. We must have this attitude, not that it's four months, but this attitude, this mentality that God is at work now and, and he wants to work through us. We need to look up. We need to open our eyes and we need to see. We've got 20 minutes at most, do we? Or even less for prayer, I'm thinking. All right, we bend the rules a bit. Tonight you thought you were coming here and having a comfy seat, but I want you to engage. I, I want you to pray uh, tonight. And so I've, I've created sort of four categories um, of things that I would like us to pray for. And we're going to have four groups, two at the back and two at the front. And there'll be leaders in each group just leading prayer in these areas. And as you feel led, you can approach one of those groups and join in in praying uh, for that thing. And, and feel free to move from that group into another as well and then start praying over that. And so the four things that I want us to pray for, I want us to pray to have a hunger to do God's will and accomplish his mission. We can't conjure up a hunger. God must just ch change us and, and cause within us this, this deep hunger, this desire for us to be able to do his will and, and a hunger to see people come to Christ. And so we're going to be praying for that hunger. And the second thing is in reference to Romans 12, um, which 
is about offering ourselves as a living sacrifice. It's about consecration. It's saying, I offer myself to you, Lord, in worship and in service. You know, less of me and more of you. Change me, make me holy like you are holy. And so we'll be praying for that as well. And then the third thing is a university, a new university. I want uh, a group to pray over that. And Ryan and Nicole are doing great things there. And I don't know if you're a university student tonight, but um, maybe this is really speaking to you about seeing the opportunity around you uh, on campus. And then the last category um, is just if you've heard this tonight and you don't even have the, um, the desire to, to pray for these things, maybe you're feeling cold, maybe there's things that are ensnaring you that are preventing you from from seeing the harvest, wanting to be part of the harvest. Maybe you're one of the harvest. Maybe you don't know Jesus tonight. You are that Samaritan woman. Then we're going to have another group that will be asking what people's needs are and just praying over them, all right? So I'll summarize. To make it easy, we'll have those that are really hungry over here that want to be hungry. <laughs> and um, we'll have those that want to consecrate themselves, offer themselves as a living sacrifice to God praying for the university, and then those that um, have needs that they would like to be um, prayed for. Or if you haven't received the Lord tonight, then um, share that as well. Okay, I really would love you to be part of this. We're, we're going to maybe just strictly go for 10, 15, Murray. And and look, if, if you've prayed and, and um, you need to go, but I know there will be uh, dinner tonight and things. Um, so love for you to stick around um but do we believe that god is 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 moving now i like to hear that you believe that so can i just get you to stand up and um we might be put some music on just to um yeah allow us to pray and and those leaders if you could move into those places and and we're just going to pray and we're just going to expect god to to move in our midst amen